The reading is from Titus chapter 1, verses 5 to 16, and can be found on page 1198 of the pew. The reason I left you in Crete is that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. For there are many rebellious people, full of meaningless talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced, because they are disrupting the whole household by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain. One of Crete's own prophets has said it, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. This saying is true. Therefore rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths or to the merely, merely human commands of those who reject the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. They claim to know God, but, their ac uh, they, but by their actions they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hi, St Luke's. I'm so sorry I can't be with you this morning due to having caught COVID. Uh, we're feeling a little bit rough in the Gardner household, but we're doing okay. I was really looking forward to being with you, um, but through the wonders of modern technology, my face can appear on a very large screen, um, which again, I am so sorry about. <laughs> For those who don't know me, my name is Ben Gardner. I'm married to Helen and we have two children, Beth, who is five and rules the house, and Samuel, who is two, who is a little bit of a cheeky chappy. We lead St Barnabas Grange Park, or STB as we like to call it, which was planted back in September 2019 on a brand new estate full of young families in the south end of Loughborough. We were planted out of Emmanuel Loughborough in partnership with the Good Shepherd Church as we were planting into their parish, into their geographical area, as is the nature 
of the Church of England. We launched on the 15th of September 2019 in our kitchen with around 23 people, 10 of which were children. And since then, we have grown to around 65 people and now meet in the community centre in the heart of Grange Park, so we don't actually have our own building. I won't pretend that it has been plain sailing, as we have spent most of our life as a new church online, um, but we are beginning to see momentum and breakthrough as we connect with our local community and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the 93% of people who have little or no contact with the church and therefore the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's so exciting to be part of this adventure and that's what church planting is all about. Church planting is exciting, it's challenging and it's also faith building. My top tip for you is to pray lots, commit to it and get on with it. You will never be ready to plant a church, but the good news is ready. Jesus has sent us and so we go in the power of his spirit. And so I hope that is of some encouragement to you. Before we unpack Titus 1, 5-16, shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you that you are with us right now. Would you open our ears, our minds, our hearts to your voice so that we might be transformed more and more into your likeness as we respond to your calling to be your disciples, to follow you and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So what biblical truths, biblical principles from Titus 1 can we learn from as we pursue this vision, this task of church planting? The first is this. Church planting is nothing new. Church planting is nothing new. Verse 5. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. The work of God's holy people, the Ecclesia, the Church of Jesus Christ, continues today and does not stop until Christ returns again. And that work is the work of discipleship, faithfully teaching and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to all people in all places. The work of discipleship is unfinished. The work of discipleship is what we are called to. The work of discipleship continues today. Paul, anointed and set apart by the Holy Spirit, proclaims the gospel, which results in many church plants. As he plants with a team, he invests in leaders like Titus, who are then called to continue the work of discipleship and mission, God's mission. In this case, it was the job of Titus to find and appoint faithful leaders to lead and disciple these new church plants, these new worshipping communities. Throughout the book of Acts, Luke plots the movement of church planting across the Mediterranean world. Paul, during his three missionary journeys, initiates many of those early church plants. But as we read later, in the letters to the early church, we hear of places and hear of people we have never seen or heard of before, as new communities of believers are planted out of Paul's initial 
church plants. The church planting movement is nothing new. In fact, church planting should be the norm as it is woven, it is a part of our DNA from the moment Jesus commissioned his disciples to go as you go, make disciples. I love this quote from the author and theologian Dallas Willard. It's just stunning to watch churches struggle to get mission statements when there it is, the Great Commission, and they should simply do what it says. They should simply do what it says. Paul and Titus were simply responding to the Great Commission. The fruits of being obedient to the Great Commission is new disciples and therefore new church plants, new communities of believers in different places. When we, together with Emmanuel Loughborough and the Good Shepherd, began to prayerfully discern the vision of planting STB in Grange Park, we quickly discovered that the Good Shepherd was planted 80 years ago out of Emmanuel. And as we dug a little bit deeper, we found that St Mary's Charmwood in Nampanton, which is on the west side of Loughborough, was also planted out of Emmanuel 120 years ago. Church planting is nothing new. Every church, even St Luke's, was once a church plant as a result of faithful people announcing the good news of Jesus Christ. The challenge for us in Loughborough is not to wait another 80 years or even another 120 years until our next church plants. The gospel spreads like wildfire and we are to engage in that good news, in that mission. So how does this biblical principle help us? How does it help you at St Luke's today? Well, it should give us the confidence to go and plant new churches because it is the natural result of being obedient to Christ's calling to go and make disciples. It is a part of our DNA, which I believe we are rediscovering again within the diocese and within the Church of England. It should also warn us in a good way to the fact that more opportunities to plant again will emerge. Since planting STB and since rediscovering this God-given calling to plant, more opportunities to plant are emerging. It is scary because it is costly, but it is what we are called to do. The second biblical truth or principle to emerge from Titus 1 is the importance of sending and commissioning faithful and obedient leaders and people. Sending faithful and obedient leaders and people. Paul's message to Titus is clear. Appoint blameless, faithful leaders. Leaders who are not overbearing, faithful within the domestic, personal and within the life of the church. Not quick-tempered, not violent, but hospitable. Loves what is good, self-control, upright, holy and disciplined. Paul's leadership character requirements is constructed of stereotypical faults to be avoided and positive virtues to be cultivated. Basically, those tasked with the job of church planting, of teaching and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, are to be the exact opposite 
of those who Paul mentions in verses 10 to 16. And I encourage you to read those verses a little bit later on. You see, right from the beginning, God has been seeking out those who will love him, who will reflect him and be faithful to him and him alone. He is seeking and calling out those who will embrace and follow and live out the truth of his word, of Jesus Christ, to live out his life, to become more and more like him. During the Christmas holidays, I came across this wonderful and powerful quote from Mike Pivalacci, who is the leader of Soul Survivor Watford. God is more interested in your obedience than your influence. Don't focus on becoming a better leader. Focus on becoming a better follower. God cares more about my character than he does about my career. The issue surrounding church planting at the moment is that it can only be done by the multi-gifted, multi-talented, charismatic leaders and team full of hipsters who hang out in cool, trendy coffee houses. I love hipsters, by the way, and I love hanging out in coffee houses. But the truth is, God is not interested in how cool you are, or how gifted you are, or how charismatic you are, or how influential you are, or how many followers you have on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. What he is interested in is how obedient and faithful you are. When we started to gather our planting team in the year leading up to the launch of STB, we automatically began to look for the different roles and skills that we might need to start a new church, to start a new worshipping community. But during this time, um, Helen and I were challenged by someone who asked this question. What are the spiritual gifts you need or have within your team? Um, they were referring to Ephesians 4, which talks about the gift of apostle, teacher, prophet, pastor and evangelist. It was a great question to ask and one that we took seriously as we formed and prayed and trained our sending team before planting in September 2019. But the more Helen and I prayed into the team and looked towards the scriptures, the more we realised is that what we really need is a team of people who love Jesus who want to grow more and more into his likeness, who are seeking to be faithful and who have a passion, who have a real deep passion to make Jesus known. Skills and spiritual gifts are good things. I'm not knocking them. But faithful, faithfulness and obedience to Christ and his word is paramount when forming a team to plant and when sending leaders. Over the past few months, I've got to know both Steve and Sarah really well through the church planting course. And I can honestly say that the church plant in Thermiston is in good and faithful hands. I believe that if you get the right leader, the right leaders in place and the right team in place, the rest follows. And you have two great leaders who will lead faithfully and lead well for his gospel. So again... What does this biblical truth, this biblical principle mean for you at St Luke's as you pursue this vision of church planting? Well, some of you might be sitting there listening to this and listening to the planting plans and vision of Thermiston and think, I can't do that. I haven't got the right skills. I'm not as talented as those up front. I don't look 
the parts. The good news is that you don't need all the right skills to do this. If you love Jesus, are faithful to his words, are wanting to pursue his way of living and have a passion to share Jesus others, then what are you waiting for? Get involved in this church planting movement. If not in Thurmaston, then perhaps in the next church plant. God continues to seek out and send those who are obedient and faithful. That's what he's looking for. The third and final biblical truth, biblical principle to emerge from these verses in Titus 1 is this. Be gospel-centred and expect opposition. Be gospel-centred and expect opposition. Verse 9. He, being the leader, must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. As you plant, remain gospel-centred and expect opposition. There is um, this notion going around at the moment within church circles, maybe it's just me, uh, but it's going around that we, the church, are to become the guests rather than the hosts. I believe this idea is encouraging us to listen more and recognise that others have something to offer us, which I do get. We need to listen better, we need to engage with our surrounding culture, and we do need to learn from others. But I also think that we have a lot to offer. We have the best news to offer. We have a message that is truly liberating, truly transforming and life-giving. And that message is the gospel of Jesus Christ. One that calls everyone, all of us, to repent and believe. To repent and believe. The author, theologian and church leader Timothy Keller writes this. Because the gospel is endlessly rich, it can handle the burden of being the one main thing of the church. As you plant into Thurmaston, there will be endless things to do, lots of opportunities to do some new and creative things, which is great. But what we must not take our eyes off is the main thing, which is to proclaim and live out the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is so easy, it is so easy to become distracted and lose our focus. Keep the main thing the main thing. As you plant, you will also face opposition. Church planting, church ministry in general, disciple making, is hard work because we are rubbing against a culture that is promoting an alternative gospel where me is the centre of everything, where me is God. The thing is, we shouldn't be surprised when we face opposition, when some see the gospel as a problem. Crete was an important commercial tra trading hub. It would have been filled with a plethora of philosophies, ideologies and new fads, new ideas. Titus would have come across resistance and opposition to the good news of Jesus Christ, to what they were teaching those in that place and at that time. Persecution is part of the deal. We need to face it not with anger, but with generosity and kindness and confidence. But we also need to face it with the confidence that Jesus Christ is Lord. We need to continue to teach sound doctrine and hold firmly to the trustworthy message that has been passed down to us. We need to hold firm and speak the gospel courageously. 
Since planting STB, we have faced some opposition. It has been hard work, and some people on the estate don't like the fact that there is a new church community on the estate. There are always going to be those people. But as we have held firm to the trustworthy message, we have seen people return to church in order to rediscover their faith. And we have even seen people who have had no Christian background come to find out who this Jesus really is. Growth is slow, is hard work, but it is so exciting. Church planting is nothing new. Church planting doesn't need the most skillful, talented team, but it needs faithful and obedient people. Church planting is hard work. You will face opposition, but you go with a gospel message that is better than anything the world can offer. I can't wait, I really can't wait to hear the stories of the new church plant in Thurmiston. And, and please do know that we at STB will be praying for you as you continue to respond to Jesus' great commission to go and make disciples of Jesus Christ.